This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, how are you? Great to see you. Thanks for coming. They're all the things that I said to people as they entered the venue at the weekend in London, in Bush Hall. Uh, what a class experience. <laughs> what a really good time, man. Um, thanks so much to everybody who came, if you're indeed listening to this. I don't know, you just heard it on Sunday, so why would you go listen to this again? But thanks so much. Uh, for coming out to everybody who came. Uh, and for those of you who missed out, you can come the next time. Chalk it down. I'm going to be doing another show this weekend in Cork in the Kino Theatre as part of the Cork Podcast Festival. And fingers crossed, we're going to have uh, an amazing guest talking about free speech, talking about uh, censorship again, and uh, some new insights from an Irish point of view. So, if you want to get tickets for that, there's a link in the description below, or you can hit us up on social media, or if you can't find a link or you're having trouble, DM me. I'll send you over some stuff and you can uh, get hooked up. Uh, there's loads of other great podcasts as well going on. So if you're in the area or if you if you don't mind a small train journey, my show is going to be in the Kino Theatre on the 12th of October. That's the Saturday. It's going to be on at 6pm, so it's a totally reasonable, uh, <laughs> totally reasonable time. Doors at half five, show at six. We'll be all over uh, by 8 and you can be back on a train or a bus or whatever you need to get out of Dodge. There's loads of stuff in the afternoon as well if you want to come down and make a day of it. Uh, but yeah, it's the Cork Podcast Festival. So for this show, this is an interview. It was done live on stage in front of approximately almost 200 people in the Bush Hall Theatre in Shepherd's Bush. And I just want to say thanks to SJM and to Alex and Matt for sorting that out for us and to Georgie and to... Uh, they're not listening to this, but I just want to say thanks to them. And to Constantine Kissin, who's the uh, comedian guest that you're about to listen to. Uh, Constantine is a savage. Uh, if you don't know him, he uh, was thrust into the limelight because he refused to uh, bow down to the uh, the social justice mob in a college gig for a society. And uh, they gave him a whole list of stuff. You'll hear about it in the interview. But uh, he, he ended up getting on all these TV shows and he was explaining his story and he's a social commentator and he, he joins people uh, on, on their TV shows and talks about this kind of crack. Uh, often in opposition of some, uh, you know, social justice warrior or, you know, un, un, unreasonable feminist uh, on the other side. He was famously shushed on Good Morning Britain. Uh, you can go and check that out. It's probably the first thing that pops up when you type in his name. But uh, yeah, he's a comedian and he has a show on the 16th of November in the Bill Murray uh, in London. And I'm going to leave a link below for that if you want to go see it. He was doing uh, Orwell That Ends Well, which is his Edinburgh show that went on for the summer. So this is kind of a reprieve. 
No, a reprise. A reprieve. He was given forgiveness for the Edinburgh show. Uh, it's a reprise of his Edinburgh show. And um, you can also listen to his excellent podcast, Trigonometry, uh, which is now my new favourite podcast. The guests on it are phenomenal. Uh, Constantine is on the show. Uh, uh, and there's another presenter. And they have guests come on, the experts that deal with all this stuff day to day. The authors, the experts, the, the, the main men and women that deal with this kind of stuff. And um, very, very interesting interviews, very, very interesting guests. So get on that trigger nometry, trigger like a like a gun and nometry. Um, I leave the links for all of that stuff in the thing below. This show in London was class, a great experience. I fucking loved it. I loved the atmosphere. The guest was amazing. The audience were amazing. You guys came with the thunder. Um, for the first half, then I did a sit-down interview with Constantine, and that's going to be put out here to the public, and you can go all have a listen to that, and then it's going to be uh, taken back and put in behind a paywall, behind Patreon, if you want to hear it in the future. And then there's a whole other second half of another 90 minutes where I come out and we get into it with the audience, and we start talking about some shit uh, to do with free speech and censorship and all of these different topics. And that's exclusive to Patreon only. If you want to get at that, patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys or click the link in the description below and you can get at that. That's another hour and a half extra of bants with the crowd and talking about some talking about some stuff, talking about some shit, talking about some other stuff. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, to get at that, patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys. So like I said, tickets are coming for the show in Cork at the Kino Theatre. Get on it if you want to come and uh, have it out. Uh, the Cork Podcast Festival has loads of great shows and uh, if you want to bounce in there and have a look. But for now, I'll lead you straight in to the live show from Bush Hall. There's lights and everything. Hello. Hello, London. What's going on? So many beautiful faces. I saw you all in the queue outside. I was like, oh, there's the line. So happy. Um, so I'm Gordo. Uh, I just want to check before we start. Uh, who here has heard the podcast before? I didn't say put up hands, but hands is good. Okay, so we don't want to pick on anybody. I'm not going to pick. Um, hands up who hasn't heard the podcast. Okay, you sir. The lads, you sir, is this in some kind of a, like a pact for oral sex or whatever when you get home or, it's like, please bring me and you get whatever you want. Free tickets. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to take a few minutes, introduce the show, tell you what's going to happen. Uh, we have a great guest. He's backstage now, pacing up and down. And uh, he's going to come up, we're going to have a chat about censorship, about free speech, about, um, yeah, the Jews, see all that stuff. And, um, <laughs> Run away, and um, yeah. <clears throat> so um, yeah, so it's going to be about uh, about about an hour for the first bit, and then you can go and do a, a, a wee wee, or if you're brave, a poo poo, and uh, just a hover and uh, have a drink. Now I'm not precious, so if anybody wants to like get up and, and go get a drink, if you ran out of drink, you can go and do it. If you need to go to the toilet, you don't have to wait till the break. It's not you know, and uh, if a fire happens, just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> just go. Uh, double doors. So we've got some people, I, I, I said hello to some people at the door, and I heard a few accents come down from north on train. So 
I don't mean to be like doing school teacher shit, but who's, who's from London? So nearly everyone's from London, pretty much. Okay, who's the furthest away person? Who, 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 would, who, would, who would deign to claim geographically the furthest away person to come? Yorkshire, all right. Where? Fuck off. <laughs> Offaly. Do you know that I, I, do you know I'm from Ireland, right? All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, 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 you're awfully, and you came over here for this? All right, cool, shit. <laughs> I thought he was like, fucking came over here for this, and he's after announcing the gig in Dublin in November. <laughs> Raging. Um, yeah, so, so Offaly is, is winning so far, which is the first time for that for Offaly. No, Los Angeles! Who said that? Who are oh, good man yourself? Los Angeles. And he came over especially for this. Fair play to you, boss. <laughs> Jesus. Appreciate that. What are you doing here from Los Angeles? Just, just, just having a holiday and you managed to find your way to get the fuck in here. <laughs> okay, okay. And you were like, I'm going to quite, like, tr- traditionally California is quite liberal. So I guess you're, are you going to be doing those of heckling and talking about people's rights and shit? <laughs> All right, cool, cool, okay. I was, yeah. um, is, it true, is it true that the streets of San Francisco are lined with human shit? Yeah. There we go. Debate over. Um, yeah, so thanks, you guys, for coming. This is bizarre for me, because usually I'm in my jocks in a room on my own. It's quite uncomfortable for the guests on the podcast. But my house, my roots. Um, it's like a nut fog just generally around the table. Um, I've been a little bit lax of late putting out shows. I apologize to anybody who's been waiting around for shows, but also, you know, turn to your family and loved ones for conversation instead, maybe. Um, we, we, there was plans to go to America, and they're still there, don't worry. So, if we're, you know, we're going to do a Q&A later on, and people are asking, like, why about America? I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, it's still there, don't worry. Like, for now. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're going to go, we, we, Claire and I, uh, uh, Claire is here, by the way, somewhere, I don't know where she, she, uh, woo, somebody did a woo, I don't think that was Claire, though, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we went, to, we went to Europe, and there's loads of videos for the, the GoFundMe and Patreon folks, uh, hands up anyone who's a Patreon here, okay, cool, personal hugs and stuff for you guys later on, um, nothing else, though, hashtag me too, um, <laughs> there will be witnesses. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk for an hour with Constantine, we're going to have a little break, and then we're all going to talk more about the stuff that we talked about with him, but you're going to get a chance to have the bands, and I can see you fucking hell, what was that? <laughs> oh. I was like, this is it, this is it, the sniper's light, here we're done, it's over. Some of the lads outside were like, I heard what you were saying when you walk up and down the street outside. Making fun of how many kebabs shops we have on the streets. I heard you joking. I was, I was joking. So many kebab shops. It's the fucking whole, the whole, the road is halal. It's bananas. It is bananas. Um, yes, yeah, so we're going to talk about all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then at the end, you're going to get a Q&A task, whatever you feel like, whatever you want. Oh, on the front row, wearing a t-shirt represents. Fair play to you. Good man. Merch. Um, he'll be at the back selling that stuff later on. So it's like, yeah, this, yeah, 14 euro. You can have it. Um, 
So yeah, it's all fun, man. It's all we're like we're not we're not out to annoy anybody or make anyone feel uh, left out or excluded. If you have a problem, what you need to do there will be uh, pens and paper down the back, and you just write it on a little piece of paper, and then roll it into a, like a tight roll, and then just poke it up your arsehole. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not what this is about. We're all here for the crack, and. Um, I guess, like, we started the podcast years ago and I never saw it coming this far in reality, but in my imagination I was like, I can do the O2. If Jack Whitehall can do it, I can fucking do it. You know? And then I said, Daddy! I was like, sure, fucking do that shit. Um, yeah, so it's really nice, like, it's, it swells my heart. It might be the cholesterol, but it swells my heart <laughs> to see that you all came out of your head. You could have st- sat at home on your arses. Do you know? But you came out, so I really, I really appreciate that. Um, you can give us a round of applause, I guess, if you like you. For each other, that's for yourself. Thanks, you all, for coming out. Um, yeah, if you want to take pictures, take pictures. I'm filming stuff, and we're going to put this out as a podcast, and if you're asking questions, um, I, sh- I guess you should be aware, GDPR, should be aware that that question might get listened to by a couple of hundred thousand people, so don't fuck it up. Um, <laughs> pressure. Uh, yeah, so it's really good to be here in London. Um, I guess I, we had to organize this gig uh, this October because afterwards, like, visa issues and stuff for me coming over. It's going to be really, really annoying. Uh, strip search, body cavity, all that stuff, you know. Um, we're not going to talk about Brexit tonight. Hey! Are you all fucking sick of this shit, are you? Like, like, don't even mention it, please. It's like, not even, we won't even. No? Okay, cool, yeah. Just like loads of. Yeah, so we just talk about, like, um, censorship and black lads and all this kind of stuff and not being able to say the words to people. Um, so, yeah, welcome for, for uh, like, thanks so much. I'm, it's really... Um, so I'm going to introduce your guest for this first part. Uh, and we have a small video that's going to show kind of what he's all about. And Ian might help us out with that, please. So I'm watching this. the form that you were asked to <laughs> it said by signing this contract this is the unicef on campus at soas right he was asked to sign an agreement that his routine would not contain racism sexism classism ageism ableism homophobia biphobia transphobia xenophobia islamophobia anti-religion anti-atheism I think, you're doing, I think you're doing some quite complicated mental arithmetic to offset the fact that people didn't think you were funny. Uh, I think the reality well, is... Well, hold on. Is it no, 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 no. performing a top-secret comedy club? Is that real? Did you make up that list? Is this a comedy bit? Uh, No, it's not. It's been very good for my comedy. But actually, if uh, if you go further into the contract, they also demand that that all jokes must be respectful and kind. And I feel like you're just, I mean, you're just sort of being a bit of an alt-right. You know, oh, right. That, that we got there in the end. You did. You did. You did. Well, that, that, I, 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 good. I, I, the good thing about being called an artist comedian, right, is I now I've got a niche. <laughs> Problem is. 
I haven't got any racist, sexist, homophobic jokes. I'm actually quite a progressive guy. Like some of my best friends are gender fluid lesbians of colour. <laughs> the idea of being a student at a university where you can't make any joke about anything gets these poor little woke students get upset or triggered. Get over yourselves! It's not about comedy, it's about ordinary people up and down the country and here in Britain yes. and in America feeling like they can't say what they think. I really don't. Like, I get it. I get it, especially, especially the women who want to become men. I get it. <laughs> Do you remember when Gareth Bale, right, went from Tottenham to Real Madrid? The guy left a perfectly good club for more money. <laughs> Everybody feels like we're we're all kind of under arrest. We're all all everything we say can and will be used against us in the court of public opinion, and they're coming for the comedians first because we're we're the ones that, as you say, are allowed to transgress. But everybody else feels it, and that's why the story's got the resonance that it has. Welcome to the stage, Constantine Kissin. Hello. The guy off the video. Thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sit down, Yeah, these chairs are opulent as fuck. Oh, you've got a little spy camera on me already. Yeah, yeah, man. You're Russian. We gotta fucking keep an eye on you. Yeah, look at he's a celebrity, everybody. It's um, it's great to have you, man. Thanks for having me. So. I, I, I was put on to you by a, a good friend of mine, Chris Kent. We're so far away, shit, it's so impersonal. Mm. Um, I was put on to you by a friend of mine, Chris Kent, who's yeah. a great comedian. Great and comedian. he said, I, <laughs> I asked Chris, uh, do you know anybody that's like mad about the LPC? And he's like, oh yeah, no one, lad, all right. <laughs> and it seems to be you're the, you're the guy of the moment right now. Uh, tell us a little bit about what happened for the people that don't know yet or know what. I feel like I... Like, I'm like the Fonz or something like this. I'm like, <laughs> our fucking godfather's like, Constantine. <laughs> Tell me about what happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, like, for those that don't know, you, you, were, <laughs> you were asked to go do a gig for the SOAS. Yeah, so I perform in a comedy club here in London, Top Secret, some of you may know. Uh, there were some students in, they saw me, they liked my set, which is kind of the irony of it. They, they liked what I was doing. Mm. They, and when they invited me, they sent me this contract, right? Uh, which I think the list was on the racism, sexism, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and when I, I turned it down, I tweeted about it to like, my three followers at the time, and I went to bed, right? Uh, and just to put it in context, at this point, I'm a no-name comedian. No one's ever heard of me. Right? How long ago was this now? This, this was half a year ago. Fucking hell. Yeah. No one's Controversial fame is fickle mistress. To contextualize it, like at this point, like when I called up my agent to tell what was happening, she couldn't believe it because she'd forgotten she represented me. <laughs> yeah. So I turn it down, and then it becomes this huge story. It's TV, radio, everywhere. Uh, as you can see, Kate Smirthwaite, who's this mental, uh, yeah. radical feminist comedian, she called me a Nazi, uh, which, she, as I say, was great for me because I've, I've now got a niche. Um, I'm the only Jewish Nazi comedian in the world. <laughs> Crushing that skinhead synagogue circuit. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, and it just became this massive story literally overnight. Um, Do you think there's like, there was a vacuum of um, dissent for this PC culture that a lot of, most people, 
I don't want to say, you know, these trigger terms like the silent majority <laughs> of white people. Yeah. But like the silent majority that seem to rail against these um, situations that happen, the, the, the heads raised above the parapet of SJW policing, that you were like, oh my God, this guy stood up to some shit. Give him all the, all the kudos. Do you think that it was because of that or because people were just fed up of people trying to police their thoughts and their mind and their jokes? Yes. To all of them? Yes. All right. Both of them. Well, I think they're both actually the same point, which is that the vast majority... I think the studies show this. About 75% of people in Britain think that political correctness has gone too far. Yeah. So there is a silent majority, and they're increasingly not very silent. People are, are fed up of it. And I think when people stand up to it, that's when people project all their own concerns onto that person and they go, oh, finally someone is talking about this. So when I turned down the contract, I got literally thousands of messages from people all over the world saying, thank you for doing this, you know, this is how I feel. And, mm. of course, the thing with us is we are relatively free to say what we think. Yeah. But if you've got a job or, or if you... Well, they'll hold it over you, yeah. And then, then you... I'm going to get you fired! Yeah. It's like, I just skipped you in the... Like, you were fucking on your phone and I just ordered in front of you in the coffee shop. I don't care! <laughs> you are cancelled! Yeah. It's a lot of that. And the thing is, the people who, who do that, they do actually have power. I mean, there was a guy who was fired from his job in Asda because he shared a Billy Connolly routine about religion on his Facebook, right? He was fired. But who's that fault there? Is that like... The people in Aslan HR are going, we cannot weather the storm of one of our shelf packers sharing a Billy Connolly video. This could be the end of us. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? They're all walking around like nervously patting their arses. Mm. Um, is, that, is that like, is that them capitulating to the mob by going like, let's just squash everything like self-censorship? Or do they actually agree and go like, yeah, he shouldn't have shared that. We're looking to fire that cunt. I think it's more, more, more the first point, which is that they're concerned about the repercussions because they, they've all become convinced that what they see on Twitter is it's reality. Like, that's, that's a huge thing. Which it absolutely isn't. Mm. There's like 12% of people in the world, are, or even in Britain, I think, are on Twitter. So there is this mob of a minority mm. that they perceive as having power over them. Uh, and but it I, feels real. Yeah, it feels... Well, if it's your world, if you are on Twitter, if your, work, if your job is publicity, managing publicity, mm. then you perceive what happens on Twitter as the real thing. And, and, you know, there's a lot of interaction between the social media and the media. So most journalists get their stories now from social media, yeah. right? So if something happens to social media, that will affect your company, or at least you'll perceive that it does. But it's 30 shares. There's 30 motherfuckers like looking at it. Yeah. That's not going to break the bank mm. for Asda. It's like 30 thumbs down. Like, I don't see... What, by, it's the Streisand effect. So by them trying to silence that thing, yeah. they're actually amplifying mm. the problem. And they're yeah. highlighting the ridiculousness of the place that we're in. Yeah, I didn't absolutely. have to say it, but I mean, you're allowed to say it, I guess. <laughs> um, John Cleese weighed in. Yeah. behind you to be yeah very helpful when I got called a Nazi he came out and said that he saluted me <laughs> thanks John um, you get a, you get a it got worse from there actually because Katie Hopkins was watching as well and she commented as well I found out the other day that Katie Hopkins is only two years older than me I was like shit <laughs> <laughs> she is wore out yeah. <laughs> wore out like an old coat yeah, yeah she is um, she, she came out on Twitter and called me a soy boy. 
Right. Uh, do we know what a soy boy is? The official definition of a soy boy is a man who's physically weak, has never been in a fight, and will probably marry the first girl that has sex with him. Yeah, painful. Having to admit Katie Hopkins isn't always wrong. A stop clock is right twice a day. Yeah. Know? And her face looks like a stop clock. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he, uh, well, John Cleese was... A lot of people, to be fair. The, what I found was a lot of people at the very top of the comedy world and more broadly were very happy to comment on it positively in, in terms of what I did. There's a certain element of untouchableness, though, to those dudes. But that's the point. Do you know, that no, no one can take their, their dinner away. That's my point. Yeah. It's the only people who are prepared to speak their mind anymore are people who can't lose what they have or have enough that they, they have fuck you money. Right? Yeah, like medium level Irish podcasts. <laughs> like, I've enough to pay the rent. And... I've seen your Patreon numbers. You're doing pretty well. Yeah, mate. I mean, it's not like you know what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not you know what I mean? you know what I mean. Like it's not like it's not like. Look at these chairs, son. <laughs> Fucking opulent. Look at this one. Yeah. Chandeliers and shit. Mm. Um, yeah. No, no, but seriously, most of the I people... don't own this stuff. By <laughs> this is rental. The thing uh, for you, right, is if you were to get cancelled, it would probably be a good thing. And it'd only boost my numbers. It'd only I boost think. your profile. But for people who are in the main... I'd be dropping N-words at certain <laughs> intervals throughout the show, everybody. Woo! I won't. But for people who are in the mainstream, who are on TV, who are on radio, whose livelihood depends on yeah. being part of a system, for them, they have to be at a point of safety before they feel comfortable commenting. But they also have the antithesis that, like, lads like Peter Lloyd and stuff who make their career of news uh, appointments and news, like, being invited on these different talk shows, and like yourself, to be that other voice. And then you have the Kate Smurthwaite. Is that how you mm. say her name? Yeah. Like, she looks you like shouldn't she's... shouldn't say to, her name, but, she, yeah. Huh? You shouldn't say her name at all. <laughs> if you say it three <laughs> times, she shows up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> she looks like she needs a sun holiday, mm. really. Like, that's just a bit of happiness. Yeah. It's not... It's so sour. Um, but John Cleese is one of these guys that's like classic, untouchable, super high-level comedy that up until recently was untouchable. Mm. Like, he had this air of, of, of comedy royalty. He started an awful lot of people. He was an inspiration for an awful lot of people. And I watched the clips of you talking about his support for you online. And people are readily willing to just shit all over him now mm. because he said a thing. What's that? Oh yeah, what's the yeah. what are the commercials for? Banks and stuff like that. Yeah, he sold out despite his millions. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, actually, what happened was uh, it wasn't quite him supporting me. It was what happened was he said that London has is not really an English city anymore. Right. What do people think about that? Murmur if you don't agree. Murmur, Someone murmur, said murmur. true over there. London, London is. What's that? Sadiq Khan agrees. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, uh, for a certain demographic of people, John Cleese, a white man who's living in the Caribbean with people of colour, saying <laughs> that London is not an English city anymore. Well, yeah, he hates black people so much he moved to their country. Yeah, yeah. that's what we all, we all, that's, you know, that's why Hitler went to South America. Yeah. That's, <laughs> they will never suspect. Mm. Um, no, seriously, like, he, he's, he's living there, he's commenting 
on a, on a point of culture rather than a point of race. Yeah, but everybody made it about race, so yeah. it was immediately assumed that he was racist. And so, good morning, Britain. Whenever they need someone to defend someone who's made these comments, they call me. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so I went basically on on the program to defend it, defend him, and I tried to explain to people that if you have a a, a city like London, where forty three percent now of the people who live here are like me, born abroad, yeah, that will make it less English. And they but then what is English? That's the thing. Is it like the national... The well, national... they tried to convince me that I'm English while I was on the show. I, heard, I saw that. Yeah, you you're saw like, that. I'm actually Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, English. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they, they couldn't get it through the head, which, which made for a great clickbait video. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I just... I, look, I, I tried to say what I think is, is an obvious truth. And what happens every time I go on Good Morning Britain is they suspend all the comments on the YouTube videos. Because the public agree with what I'm saying. And they can't But they don't be. want that to be the thing. So whenever they have a, a, a debate between... They always bring in some crazy person and me. Uh, well, and me, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they bring on two crazy people. I'm one of them. Uh, they always, I always... You can always see on Twitter afterwards, like, who won or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and it, it, it's always the case that the vast majority of the people in the country don't agree with this radical mental ideology. Uh, but if, but if you're the, a TV the channel... The cohort that do agree are much louder, though, I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but my point is they're managing even that. So yeah. they, they're trying to create a, pl- a way of not showing the fact that most people don't agree with it. You know, yeah. they hide the comments, they stop people from commenting completely. But it's even been put into, like, people are afraid to talk about this stuff because there's now legal ramifications. Like, I, I don't know how... I think it was you that was saying on, a, on that John Cleese episode, or that, that John Cleese clip, that um, there was 8,000 arrests in England in 2018 for people putting out, like, tweets and social media posts. 8,000, is There's that right? 3,300. Um, Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Make sure me... But that's still quite a lot. Yeah. I, I usually ask people, like when I, I did the whole run in Edinburgh talk, talking about this yes, whole thing, yeah, yeah. and that's one of the things I, w- I would always ask every single night. I would ask people, how many people do you think have been arrested in this country for things they said on social media? And almost inevitably, the people who did not know the answer, it was like one, two, a right. hundred. Or people like me who would grossly overestimate yes. and make the 3,300 yeah. seem trivial in, yeah. in retrospect. Exactly. <laughs> There's always one idiot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. That was really well set up. We totally did that. Really. <laughs> that was a bit totally planned. Uh, so 3,300 people is a lot of people. It's a stupid amount of people. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and again, in my show, I talk about some of the examples of some of the stuff that has happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a girl in Liverpool who uh, her friend was killed in a car crash and she posted the lyrics of his favourite song on her Instagram. Uh, and the lyrics contained the N-word because mm. it was a rap song, right? Uh, and because she was white, this was deemed as a hate crime. She was arrested, prosecuted, convicted of a hate crime. She was tagged, uh, given 500 hours of community service, and she was a hate criminal for a year. Right. Shit. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm really regretting promising all those N-bombs. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not in Dublin anymore, lads. Yeah. 
Yes, so there are examples of people... And her appeal, she appealed and eventually was overturned. Yeah, but like... But the fact that the state is arresting people for something like that, you can can be pretty comfortable that that is going to have an effect on people's willingness to to say what they think and because they know, well, I might be arrested, I might be a hate criminal for a year. What if my appeal doesn't get overturned? Who wants to be involved in that? Tell them all about it, those conspiracy guys. Like, Count Dankula is probably one of the more famous ones where he taught his pug dog, who his girlfriend thought was very cute. He's like, I'm going to show her the dog is evil. And he made the dog do a nasty salute. And he was like, saying, gas the Jews. And the dog was like, Burp. Yeah. It's like, what do you want to do? You want to gas the Jews? Burp. Like, and they arrested him, prosecuted him. Mm. They, they fined him eight hundred pounds, and like people like Lawrence Southern and Paul Joseph Watson all came to his aid mm. to kind of publicise the case. Otherwise, that just would have went under the radar. He got a huge YouTube following, and he's appealing the fine and the the stamp of hate criminal. Well, like, the obviously was denied, it was a joke. wasn't it? Huh? It was denied, I think. Yeah, people. it's going through. There's another. There's another set now again. Well, I talked to him last time. He, I think he was. He was like done. He's finished. With I it think now. so. I could yeah. be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. So he's a hate criminal for life. He can't find a job. He's a Nazi officially. When the papers write about him, they say Nazi hate criminal. Yeah. They are legally allowed to call him a Nazi because he did a fucking joke on YouTube. Yeah. Right. That's where we are. Yeah, it seems bizarre that that can be allowed to happen, and yet what it's doing is forcing people into not having conversations or not talking, to get off social media, to abandon stuff like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, when all that is doing is removing the voice of dissent. You're removing the argument. Well, it's funny you mention that. <laughs> leaving all those people to just fucking squeeze their nips and agree with each other mm. on Twitter and just be like, aren't we all great? Yeah. Mm. And it's funny you should mention the there. eradication of the centre and the reasonable opinion because the BBC contacted me uh, after the contract thing mm. uh, because they were doing a documentary about Dankula. Right. And they said, would you be interested in talking to him on camera to see you know, how you guys get on, stack up, whatever, because you believe in free speech, right, but you're Jewish, you know, the whole thing. Classic comedy Jew, it's like yeah, the two Ronnies. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, and so they got me... One's a Nazi, <laughs> the other's a Russian Jew. Like, yeah. it's, it writes itself. Well, I, we're both Nazis in this world, aren't we? Um, so they got us together. We had a, about an hour and a half on camera chatting about different things. It was a good conversation. I don't agree with him on everything. He doesn't agree with me on everything, like any other two human beings. Sure. But we had a good conversation. And then the BBC were like, mm, that was really great. You know what we loved? We loved the nuance of it. We loved the balance of it. That was absolutely brilliant. By the way, do you know anyone who might have a more extreme anti-free speech view on this? I was like, yeah, I know loads of comedians who are against free speech, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, so I recommended them a guy who I knew would be absolutely crazy. Uh, <laughs> Should we name names? Are we dropping names? Well, no? you can watch the documentary. It's okay, called okay. Nazi Pug something on the BBC. Um, they got him and they got a guy who runs a comedy night in London, which is basically run according to the rules of the contract that I turned down. Like, so they, they, they give out stickers to people who want to be talked to. So if you don't have a sticker... <laughs> That's ridiculous. ...then I can't talk to you. But, but... 
so they're in the audience and if they don't have a sticker you can't like look at them or what is it yeah, yeah there like, are some stickers for not being looked at as well it's like the whole the whole thing they used to yeah. do that like in nightclubs in Ireland and if you want to like kiss somebody or if you want to get fingered there's like different <laughs> stickers you're like drop the hand son green lights <laughs> you know hashtag yeah. me too generation kind of ruined that yeah. but like those traffic traffic light ni- traffic light nights you were just like <laughs> just like you were putting like working in a factory putting fillings in donuts right like, <laughs> like all night like now you have it for jokes like you can't tell if you have a thing that's like what the fucking the nazis would do to gay lads and jews it's like you have your own special pink one like a pink triangle if you're yeah. gay and you're all like don't touch that one like it's that's bizarre so they got him and this other crazy comedian guy to basically have a shouting match with dankula on camera right right and manufactured uh, uh, outrage yeah and then when i watched the final program uh, it was actually me and another Jewish comedian, uh, Joe Jacobs, who had a, a reasonable conversation with Ankula. When the final video came out, we weren't in it. <laughs> at all. And now we use doing for discrimination because and, you're Jewish. And, and, <laughs> and, Turn the tables. Yeah. So it was only the people who had the craziest opposition to what Dankula did that made it into the video because that's how the mainstream media works they create this false narrative that the extreme on one side and the extreme on the other side mm. are the people who are disagreeing they cut out everybody in the middle and then they go oh look at our country so divided well you're the ones that are doing it yeah they're manufacturing it yeah. yeah they're manufacturing that completely and they're cutting out any sane voices from the middle because it doesn't sell and, so and they are they are the, the, the thing with the mainstream media is they their numbers are dropping so rapidly because of what we do. Yeah. That they are, they are the clickbait medium now in a way that the internet isn't. Like long-form discussion podcasts are now overtaking mainstream media. I mean, Joe Rogan, Dave Rubin, they Those have a bigger guys. audience. Yeah, yeah, sure, all of them. All the best ones. <laughs> Than you or me or the mainstream media. Yeah. Um, and that's why they're succeeding because they're a balanced, reasonable conversation that people don't get on TV. You just don't get it. I think there's an also like a digital disruption now with the fact that like people are on Netflix, they're on Amazon mm. Prime, they're on Hulu and Now TV and yeah. all these kind of things. So you don't see the ads. You're not influenced by that kind of stuff. Uh, you're choosing your own programs. And people like Dave Chappelle who put out Sticks and Stones, I don't know if any, anybody here has watched it, it's probably one of the most popular uh, Netflix releases of all time, according to the stats, that... He comes out in that and he says some shit that's like, like wild, especially in the time now. Mm. And it got such a positive reception by the people that watched it, the general like public, mm. and the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it like one percent, and then the People's Review is like ninety nine percent. And that kind of shows where the where the establishment media stand on topics like that. Mm. People don't. People are choosing their own destiny when it comes to the media they consume. Mm. So like. What's the future for news? What's the future for these talk shows? Like, they're kind of fucked a little bit. Yeah. So they're they're allowing they're allowing people to use the tools of censorship, like cancel culture, coming out saying like with Kevin Hart, for example, he's one of the most popular and and lar- largest selling comedians of all time ever, and they managed to fuck with him somehow. Mm. Do you know? Like, self censorship is a real. Um, 
it's a real like st- like sticking point for someone that has an opinion. Like, would you be afraid to put something online now that you're in the position that you're in the fame that, that the fame that you have for being a bold boy? Like, would you be putting out shit like that's like court and controversy, or are you just answering? the stream that comes in. I think that is actually a pitfall for a lot of people where you go, oh, if I tweet this really edgy thing, suddenly mm. I'm going to get loads of followers. I, and I think I probably went through a bit of that initially because I was like, oh, I've got an audience now. I can play with it. But I think what I do that's controversial, I just say what I think. Yeah. And that is enough <laughs> nowadays to get you in trouble. But as we say, if you... If you're not dependent on a hierarchy, if yeah. you're not working for someone else, uh, that is a freedom that you have. And, and I actually think increasingly a responsibility that you have to say what you think, because a lot of people can't. A lot of people say that to me, man. Like when I say some stuff on the show, they're like, how dare you say that? You have a responsibility to maintain the status quo because you have such a big audience. First of all, I don't have such a big audience. It's big, but it's not like, you know, it's more wit. Um, <laughs> like, the point is, like, they're telling me that like, because my audience is bigger, I shouldn't say some stuff. So it's like, so it's totally okay if you have like 5,000 followers to say some fucking wild racist shit. Mm. Like the logic of it doesn't, doesn't match up, you know. So with stuff like Dave Chappelle, he came out and said all that. And people have kind of started to wake up. That was a real injection of, I don't like to say wokeness anymore because it's taken on a new meaning, but it was an injection of um, cop on that was really needed. Yeah. for people and it was mainstream it was Dave Chappelle people weren't expecting that they were expecting like I'm like James bitch like mm. and they ended up getting fucking schooled on LGBs and T's mm. he's allowed to do it huh? he's allowed to do it but, but that's the thing why is he allowed to do it like there's a whole load of stuff stacking up against him in his cultural capital like he's he's grandfathered into this system of, of no like his TV show was like the most extreme like racist stuff like sexist stuff that would now absolutely not fly. Mm. But he's allowed to say it because he's Dave Chappelle. I don't, I don't, do you know what I mean? Like, not that he shouldn't say it. What I'm saying is he got to inject that into a lot of people that would never have looked it up on YouTube or looked up any, um, any stuff from you or from people in your cohort, like people who are fighting against this stuff. I think it woke a lot of people up. People are starting to go like, what's, what's going on out there? Uh, you talked to Sargon of Akkad, who's doing that for a really long time. So, yeah. Car Benjamin. Um, he's kind of like... A, a, he's like a bad guy, I guess, on, online. He's like a bold boy mm. who's saying stuff that people don't like. Like, what was your interaction with him like? What, what Good, I know Carl about? pretty well. Uh, yeah. I don't agree with him on a lot of politics stuff, but I'm one of those people that I, ju- I just think um, I can be f- friends and know people who have different opinions. Yeah. Uh, and it, it doesn't... I don't think that... Like, a lot of people... I'm somewhere bang in the centre politically, right? Yeah. A lot of people who are left of me are like, why are you talking to this person? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I be talking to people that I don't agree there's, with? There's divisions of, of um, rank or there's divisions of, like, tribe uh, based on thought. So, like, you hanging out with Car Benjamin, for most people outside, thinks that like, that's fucking... Why would he talk to him? Yeah. But, like, what were you talking about? Like, what was the, the common ground? Well, we were talking about the culture was the stuff that we're talking about yeah. here. Uh, and I think on a lot of that stuff, he's absolutely right. Um, but would I join UKIP? No. Uh, he did. Yeah. And I think, you know, I said it to his face, his campaign was fucking terrible. Uh, and he got himself into a lot of trouble because yeah. he assumed that... Because Carl is, is an online creature, he thinks that... Uh, the real world works the same way and it doesn't 
Uh, people will... Uh, this is why I have another friend who's a comedian who was thinking of running for office, and I said, don't do it, because everything you've ever said, ironically, will be used against you as if you meant it seriously. Yeah. Um, and That's why so, I'll never do it, because there's about 600 hours of bullshit out there. Yeah. You could clip out 60 seconds, at, like close your eyes and pick something, and I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, stuff out of context. Like, he was shoulder to shoulder with, with Dankula, mm. like, at these UKIP meetings. And he was yeah. going... I, like, it felt to me like he was just trolling because he could. Yeah. It was just... He was, he was being a provocateur. Mm. Uh, when he came out from his YouTube persona... Uh, like I feel it kind of fell apart a little bit for him mm. he wasn't able for the for the criticism that people were given and there was so much layered at him and now a load of, load of his stuff like he had to start up the Tinkery and he has a couple of different YouTube channels so YouTube have started to ma- uh, <laughs> YouTube has started to uh, really crack down on a lot of this stuff like only a month ago they've, they've switched off uh, 180,000 channels they've unverified another 100,000 um, they've taken loads of videos down and it's all in the guise of copyright infringement or you said such and such a thing or there's the, like little bullshit community guidelines you get three strikes and you're out yeah so there's a huge um, self-censorship atmosphere now on YouTube where you can't say anything mm. because you're afraid you're going to lose your YouTube channel and yeah. therefore you're, you're it depends where you are like my, my show Trigonometry we almost all of our videos get demonetized before they're released so we upload them and they get demonetized before we've actually published them. Just from the keywords in the description? Yeah. Or? So it's all algorithm-based. So any, anything to do with any of these controversial race, feminism, men, women, you know, whatever. It's all automatically demonetized. And it doesn't really matter what you're saying. Like we had, it's funny, we had a comedian on the show who was saying that there is no problem with free speech, censorship doesn't exist, blah, 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 blah. That video got demonetized. <laughs> I mean... There's a guy called, I'm trying to think of his name now, Nerdwire, I think it was. He did a test about 10 days ago. Mm. And he, they put up like little 10-second videos and they had all the different terms. So now you can't get videos that have like uh, gay, homosexual, uh, black, African-American. You can't get like trans, like any of these. And they, were te- they tested like 10,000 terms. And all of them, like you say, get demonetized before they're uploaded. Yeah. So... Why are they, it seems like, why are they, this, it seemed to be like that they were stopping the right-wing conversation, but now it's like any kind of um, controversial mm. term is being demonetized because they don't want to shit the bed for their advertisers. So more and more, it seems to be about money and their income. Yeah, but that's a bunch of bullshit, because if you watch YouTube and you go and watch a, a rap song, which is yeah. all about murder, sex, all these subjects. They're monetized, yeah. right? Uh, so I, I think it's more to do with the fact that the people who, who live and work in Silicon Valley, they are predominantly lefty liberals who've become convinced that YouTube is a breeding ground for white nationalism and therefore anyone who's discussing anything to do with any of these issues is getting brainwashed into becoming the next mass shooter or whatever. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to stop that. I think that's what's happening. There's a big LGBT cohort who have been complaining about YouTube because they're putting up like, like LGBT positive videos mm. that are getting demonetized. Yeah. And they're going like, uh, are YouTube, are you discriminating against us? And it seems to be YouTuber like going, no, we're not discriminating against you, but we have to cancel all of those words because people want to call you faggots and stuff like that. So we mm-hmm. just have to stop it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so you're 
you're taking away the livelihood of LGBT people for fear that they won't be able to handle people calling them faggots. Mm. Like that is that's such a like a baby mentality where you're like, yeah, listen, you're too gay to take care of yourself, so um, <laughs> we're just going to shield you. And likewise, they do it for for all the people of color. They're yeah. all like, yeah, but listen, like just black people wearing MAGA hats. And they're all like, yeah, but you don't really know what that means, so do you? Yeah. Like, of course they do. But it just seems like there's a babysitting mentality as well as like... Well, it's, it's a racist ideology. It's yeah. an ideology that says that because you are a certain colour, you're supposed to have certain opinions. Yeah. And that's racist. That is the definition of racism. I see people like Candace Owens like railing against that stuff. Yeah. And they, she does these college talks and she gets like really erudite intelligent students coming against her going like, and this and that and my grandfather and plantations and this and that. And she's like, you have a slave mentality. And it's so controversial in that community where people go like, if you're, if you're a person of colour, you, you shouldn't be banging on about reparations and banging on about slavery because that's being in the mind of someone who's still hurt by that thing that never happened to you. Mm. So there's the, it's, it's a really weird like thought experiment that would take probably longer than we have now to talk about. But like those uh, uh, structures of conversation are being policed by YouTube, by Twitter, by Facebook because they don't trust us to be able to have the conversations ourselves and meet her, our responses. Well, I have a friend who's a rapper, uh, and he, a guy called Zuby. I don't know if you... No, nobody knows. <laughs> All right, I'll tell him. He's actually, uh, he's actually doing a set after the show. Ladies <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen, no. Uh, he's the kind of British Candace Owens, I suppose. Right. Um, yeah, he gets called a Nazi all the time. Uh, he's a black Nazi. <laughs> the rarest guy. Yeah, the... the well, I suppose the correct term would be naughty of colour, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just... I know I've been calling this out for a while now. I was on, the, on BBC Radio talking about this. It's a racist ideology. Yeah. It's a racist... And we need to call it what it is. It's based it, within race... Like, it's, it's based within racism or what the definition... Uh, old, the old definition of what racism was. Yeah. Judging people on the colour of their skin. Yeah. That's racist. But, but the term racism has now changed in the past... I guess four years in the mainstream, mm. and if anyone listened to the cultural Marxism argument, sorry, the cultural Marxism episode, uh, it, it was prejudice maybe, plus power. Yeah, it was invented in the '60s and brought through to the '70s. It was kind of raised its head in the '90s, but now it's really in there. Like, it doesn't matter the color of your skin; you can be black. People are not allowed to be racist. Asian people are are not allowed to be racist. You can't not say, able to be racist. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not allowed to call them racist. Is what I'm saying, right? Uh, because they're coming from a place of less power than a white person, mm. and within that argument, you're like, that's a bit racist. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't be racist because you're black, so you're lower than a white person. Yeah. Just that, that does sound racist. They call it the bigotry of low expectations. The idea that people from minority groups need to be protected yeah. because they are weaker or less powerful or whatever. Um, and, of course, there is some truth to the fact that, on average, certain groups have been oppressed more than others in history. It doesn't mean that an individual person is more oppressed than you are just because yes. they're black. That's the racist part of it, judging people not as individuals but as members of a group when you don't know anything about them. That's that, what's racist. When you were going to talk to those, that SAOS, what, what were the le letters sound? It was like the S... A, the A in it was for African and the O yeah. was for Oriental. Oriental, yeah. Which, I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, like, that, they were 
wanting you to protect their sensibilities by not making any jokes outside of your remit of responsibility. So if you make any jokes about their race, they'd get offended. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it's interesting what you were saying about keywords on YouTube. I think, in a way, that is how human beings are becoming in real life as well. So in the comedy club, I'm a comedian, I, I perform regularly, people don't listen to what you're saying anymore. They react to trigger words. Right. So I have a routine about why we need the Special Olympics for white people. Okay. Do you hear that? Yeah. Right. Now, I'm making fun of white people for being shared at sport, but people tense up anyway. Why? Because the word race is in there, yeah. right? Or the concept of race is in there. This is the kind of place we're at now where whatever it is that you're talking about doesn't really get a hearing if it's got certain words in it, just like YouTube. Yeah. It's the same. And, and I think that's the direction that we've headed to is like just shrink everything down, not to the meaning of what you're saying, but just to a word. And then the, term, the, the meaning of that term or word like racism mm. can then be manipulated and changed yeah. to benefit one whoever, side whoever has cultural power yeah. yeah so it's not really about race it's not really about equality it's just about control and power I think for some people it certainly is about uh, equality but okay. they've invented some people have taken them, taken that and run with it and, and that's always the way with any industry if you might call it that yeah. like it's race uh Racism has become an industry. Feminism has become an industry. That's not to say that women haven't been oppressed in some ways and that didn't need to be addressed. Of course it did, yeah. right? But Kate Smirthway is never going to give up being a feminist. Even if, you, even if women were superior to men in every way and got paid more, and if you've completely flipped everything, the feminists like her who are radical would never give up because their whole life is invested in it. Yeah. It's a career. They're career feminists. Like a soldier with no war to fight. Exactly. Yeah. They call it the St. Georgian retirement syndrome. But like the big dragons are dead, so he goes around kicking lizards, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a weird law that they have now. Uh, it's like the, the panel show rule that they brought in in the UK. Is, yeah. this, is, this like, is this a real thing where they have to have 50-50 representation for male comics and female comics if they're on uh, They're working on it, shows? yeah, I think so. Like... That, that obviously like, would address a certain problem cosmetically, mm. but then it raises other problems in the background because, like, I, I don't know the, the stats on how many female comedians are 18%. working. 18%. This man. 18% com working comedians. 18% like of working comedians are female. Okay. And if you go further down to, like, an open mic gig where anyone can turn up and do a spot, they don't, they don't need to say what their gender is. They just turn up and they get on the show. 90% yeah. of the people who turn up to do comedy are men, right? And there are biological and evolutionary reasons for that, right? Men evolved to take Microphones risks. Microphones are like dicks. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would, that would work against the theory, wouldn't it? Depends on if you like dicks or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you, good night. <laughs> um, so about 90% are men, and that's because men evolved to take risks, for men, from an evolutionary standpoint, being funny was more important than it was for women, right? Especially if you're fat. I mean... Stop fat-shaming yourself. Stop. <laughs> That's my job. Um, no, but seriously, so... Men, just empirically speaking, yeah. men seem to be more attracted to doing comedy, right? 
for whatever reasons. And you can go as far deep down into that as you want. So you can have 50-50 and 50, 50 women. At the moment, they're working on it, and what, what's happening is the best people aren't necessarily getting through. That's what I mean. You're filling a quota based on some arbitrary yeah. number. And then, and then a lot of people go, oh, wait, women aren't funny, which is bullshit. Female comedians are brilliant. There are some brilliant female comedians. But if you put people in a position for which they're not yet ready mm. too early, then that sabotages the whole thing for everybody. Or for the wrong reasons. Like if they're smoking poles back in the green room just to get a spot, like, I mean, <laughs> you get your... No comment. Um, that, that's why I had to fail at the start for 10 minutes. He's like... Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, like, there's other ways that people can succeed and... I think there's a, a there's a, an element of meritocracy in everything that should be adhered to that is now being abandoned because of quotas and because of you know uh, uh, like filling in filling in perceived um, grievances for certain uh, like gender, race, sexuality, like color, all this stuff. Like there's a lot of people that are in, in positions that they shouldn't be in. And it gives the public uh, an inaccurate opinion of what that is. Yeah. Well, I've made a mistake. I mean, I run my own comedy club, and I do try to mix it up as much as I can in terms of gender, ethnicity, all that stuff. Because I do think that makes for a better show. If you've mm. got five acts on and they, they've all got the same exact story, that isn't as interesting as five people who are different, mm. right? And... But because of the realities of the industry where the vast majority of comedians are men, sometimes I have gone, well, she's not quite ready, but I'll get her on because she's a woman. Yeah. And every single time I've done that, I've regretted it because, because they weren't ready. Right? And a year from now they will be, but they're not yet. Uh, and the punishment isn't just for me. It's the punishment is also on them. They have a bad experience at my gig. And also people will come up to you and go, well, they're not really funny, are they? And it's like, well, it's not true. Yeah. You just have to put people in the position to succeed when they're ready. Across the board, I think that's a really positive and, and good, if anyone's takeaway happened from tonight, like that sentiment, I think, should be gilded. Yeah. Like it's, um, so the, the goal of this whole thing should be to eliminate discrimination, yeah. right? And the truth is that in the comedy industry, it is harder being a woman as a comedian because audiences do prejudge women and women, female comedians have to deal with shit that I would never have to deal with. You know, like a friend of mine who, she was telling me she was on stage two weeks ago and some, a group of drunk guys were going, get your tits out for the lads, right? That's not going to happen to me. Uh, Might it's happen happened to, to me. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Patreon people are expecting yeah. after the show. Yeah. Like that's... You pay your money, you get your, you get your price. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. it's harder to be a comedian, but we are now at a point where the attempt to address that uh, balance uh, has gone so far that it probably it's easier to progress as a female comedian. Yeah. Which is, is fine. That, but is that like, a, um, is that like a, a justified restitution for that problem? Is that like, oh, yeah, women comedians had it bad for ages, so now we just all get to, like, <laughs> you know undeservedly get on panel shows and, and make people think women comedians are kind of shit? I think we, should, we need to eliminate discrimination. You're right. And then stop there. That's my opinion. Okay. Tell them all about it, those conspiracy guys. I think there's, a, there's a, an association with um, 
quickly change the subject. There's, a, there's an association with uh, atheism and free, that was quite a gear change. <laughs> yeah, put a, put a, put a, put a full stop on that because I'm going to say some shit and I regret people are like, how dare you? Um, atheism and free thinking and um, religion and being very conservative. So I was watching a lot of videos of like the, like the Stephen Fry, who's who's you know a, 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 not an atheist, I think agnostic, um, but he's like considered one of the one of the great minds of our time. And then you have people who, like, say, white Christian right in America who are very conservative, and they seem to be against, like, women's reproductive rights, and they seem to be against, you know, uh, um, people of color and, and Im- immigrants and all these kind of things that you would associate with. Right, Christian, Texan, build a wall, get out brownie, whatever, right? And those things are, are often conflated. Like, the atheism and free thinking... To be a free thinker, I think there's a lot of times where people in uh, in a, a place of faith, or, or if they believe in something, that they are like it, like Muslims or, or uh, Christians or Jews, they often get like boxed into this thing, and people who don't believe in this dogma end up. Um, being labelled as like, yeah, the SJWs, let's say, for example, a lot of them don't go to mass or they don't go to mosque or they don't believe in any kind of religion, and yet their beliefs are just as dogmatic as a religion, right? Well, they do believe in their religion. What's the religion? Social justice. Sure. That's their religion. And if you look at how religious people tend to react when you challenge things that they espouse... Yeah. They always react in similar ways, just like the social justice warriors, because the whole structure that they have is based on faith and faith alone, because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's a dogma that they've written down that they have to just repeat. So but but they have people... priests. Yeah. They have priests, which is the Twitter blue ticks with lots of followers. They have right. priests. They, they have certain things you're supposed to believe just as a given. You're not supposed to question them. And if you do, you're a heretic and you must be expelled or cancelled, right? right. excommunicated. The, the whole way of looking at the world through the prism of social justice, it's the new religion. And... It's an inevitable reaction to... And look, I say this as someone who's agnostic myself. I'm, I don't believe in God. But we, we can't not acknowledge the fact that in killing God, we have created a vacuum yeah. that cannot be filled by consumerism, by liberalism, by capitalism. It doesn't fill those voids that we have inside of ourselves. And... Social justice is, is a way of cracking the human code in the same way that previous religions have done as well. It gives answers to those eternal questions. What is my purpose in life? Right? It was to fight for justice. Right? Why is the world so fucked up? Because it is. Right? The world is deeply unfair, chaotic, unpredictable. Right? Well, that's because of the patriarchy or it's because of racism or it's because like, that it gives you an answer. And what is my mission in life? Well, it's to fight for this. It's to spread this thing. It's to, be, to proselytize this thing. Right? So it's, a, it's the new religion of our time and it's inevitable that it's emerged in a society that has killed God. Uh, and, and I recognize this myself as someone who's a non-believer that there are certain voids in human beings that don't get filled with all this material stuff. And inevitably something will emerge to address those concerns. Like it's something inside yourself that, that you feel is outside yourself. So God is usually 
this ineffable thing outside of your own personality. Uh, it's something that's not controls you, but is not in your control. And I think the people who don't, I'm not like f- fucking recruiting for the Catholic Church around here, but I'm saying like people who don't believe in that are traditionally people who are in the social justice kind of frame of mind. Mm. And they often feel themselves to be the all-powerful. They often act as if they themselves are the uh, the dollars out of, of, of justice and of, of... They're smiting people on Twitter yeah. as, as, a, as a, a vengeful God would. Mm. And it seems that people who believe in religion are often considered to be backward and, uh, you know, like inhumane and the value in somebody's faith, like say, for example, like the Christians in America don't believe that abortion uh, should be allowed um, because it's a life and whatever. They, like, I don't, that's not what I'm saying, that they say that. Like, that's a totally valid and like it's a thing that's allowed to be believed and there's room in discourse for that. Mm. But now because of this like atheist, uh, social justice, religions, dogma, that has to be scrubbed away. That's not allowed to coexist. Why do you think like that? That there's a, a because a it's a religion. It. Like, because huh? because it's a religion. If it was a system of thought, if it was a philosophy, the way you deal with a philosophy is you go well. Which part of this makes sense? Let's question it. Let's prod it. Let's test it. Let's use reason. But let's they want to destroy that that kind of right wing conservative mindset rather than live in a world where both things can coexist. And if you want to move to Alabama or to Georgia and not be allowed by law to, to mm. have any, you know, reproductive health laws yeah. in your favour. You can do that, mm. but they want to fucking get rid of it. And I don't... It, it, that's just a small symptom of a much bigger problem. Well, it's a religious that, that, purity. It's a purity. Yeah. It's a purity test. And uh, they on both sides, religions, they always use euphemisms mm. for things. So you said it yourself, women's reproductive rights, mm. right? Now, I think... The, the situation we have in the UK on abortion is broadly accurate because it's, it's something that... It, it just That's my opinion, right? But when you're talking about abortion, you are killing... You're talking about killing babies, right? Or killing future life, right? It, it, no one wants to talk about it. It's pro-choice. What the yeah. fuck does that mean? But they're, they're changing their mentality into going, it's not killing a baby, it's yes. just getting rid of clumps of human cells. Yes. So they recategorize this yes. stuff. Do you know? Right. Um, they also recategorize and re... Uh, rebrand these terms like we talked about racism mm. uh, they'll rebrand it into a thing that suits their narrative so what I'm asking is why do you think that the social justice crew want to abolish and eradicate any dissenting opinion rather than be happy to live in harmony with like a, a, a kind of a bicameral world same reason that the communists in my country in the Soviet Union wanted to conquer the whole world because the only way to make a flawed system work is if you force everyone to be part of it. Because if there's an alternative, i.e. capitalism, people will look at that and go, well, that's better, let's do that instead. So the only way to make social justice work as a flawed and hypocritical ideology is to impose it on everybody. Otherwise, the, the fact that this is completely ridiculous will be exposed by the contrast with everything else. So they have to take over the whole of society, otherwise it just won't work. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it seems, sounds like a... Conspiracy like a dark, theory. Yeah, it sounds like a dark, <laughs> shitty dystopia where everybody yeah. has no crack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying there's a, there's a lizard man sitting somewhere doing this whole social justice thing, but 
uh, it's a religion, and it's addictive, and people are given a sense of meaning by it that they otherwise don't have. Yeah. And by the way, you know, I'm not universally critical of this thing. I mean, we live in a, in a capitalist society where people of our age and younger don't really, on the, on the whole, have an opportunity to be capitalist, to own capital, to own their own property. So in a world like that, people are going to start to question capitalism. It it's inevitable. The socialist buzz is very much, like, uh, ingrained in people 30 and under. Yeah. Traditionally, people who don't own property, who don't have, like, a lot of money, they're all like, yeah, let's share everything. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's handy. It's yeah. handy. It's a handy ideology to have when you have fuck all. Yeah, let's just share fuck all. So we'll all have less. Um, talking about, like, taxing the billionaires 70 or 80%, mm. it's very... Um, it's short-sighted, and it's also shown to be unsuccessful as a system mm. of government. So, like, but young people don't know that. Because they're too young to, to know. They haven't read anything. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, but, young people, but yeah, yeah. It, it's fucking true, isn't it? So, like, in China right now, you have a system called the Sesame Point system. I think I talked about this before on some shows, mm. where it's a fucking episode of Black Mirror, mm. where you have, a, like, a point... A score for your behavior in society. Mm. So if you like pay back your loans, you pay your rent on time, you pay your bills, you don't get arrested, you're a good boy. Mm. You know, uh, um, you pay your taxes. You you know you don't you don't fuck around uh, smoking too many cigarettes or uh, you know gambling and doing these things because everything is like kind of monitored in your in your bank accounts and stuff. So if you behave like a good citizen, uh, you know for the for the state, um, you get more points. If you do a crime and get arrested, you obviously lose a bunch of points. But also, when people hang, if you come back out into society and you're going back to your friends, when you hang out with your friends after being in jail, their fucking points go down for hanging out with you. Mm. So it's promoting them to not hang out with you and kind of put put you outside, mm. like out in the dark. Mm. Do you know? Because you've done that thing, yep. you could be a, a bad seed and could convince them it's like just one more score, lads, one more, like. Uh, how, like, are we are we far away from that in the West? Like, in on Twitter, people are really self censoring. Like, you get you get scolded, you get banned for seven days because the cultural capital of social media it doesn't need to be actual sesame points linked up to your bank account or paying the taxes. People f- f- have such value in their public uh, their their public face or their public image mm. that they won't say anything or they'll behave well lest they get, like, a seven-day ban and they can't tweet about, like, eggs, be- eggs Benedict or whatever. Mm. Um, <laughs> how far away do you think we are in the West from, like, an actual system like that? People are roaring for it in the US. They're roaring for socialism. Mm. They're, they're, uh, they're dying to get the Democrats in. Uh, I, I don't know anything about... I, I, hold my hand, I don't know fuck all about British politics, really. It's very boring and there's lots of really pale motherfuckers, like, I can't look at it. Um, <laughs> just, like... Have a sandwich or something. Just get some blood sugar going. Like your eyes are very dark. Um, <laughs> like here, you're talking about like like is is Labour trying to is that that's is that like no, I, I don't think they are actually. I think um, in terms of just coming back to what you're talking about with yeah. the social credit system in China, on on trigonometry, we interviewed a friend of mine who's a former advisor to two U.S. presidents, wow. uh, who's now a tech expert. 
Uh, and she was talking about the social credit system in China. It's actually worse than what you're saying because they have the biggest startup in the world is a facial recognition company in China whose name I can't remember. It's probably in Chinese. Uh, And that company is now working with the people who are running the social credit system. Oh, fuck off. And so if you don't express the right emotions during the national anthem, they can tell. (laughs) Shit. Uh, I think, I think your audience would enjoy that episode. Look it up. It's Trigonometry with Pippa Malgram. We did two interviews with her. The We're going to talk about his one. excellent, excellent, excellent podcast um, before we go. Yeah, but the other thing that she says in that interview is that we already have that system here. It's just not done through the government. Right. So your, your iPhone, for example, can already tell the people at Apple if you're having a heart attack. Yeah. Right. That's why I'm wearing this motherfucker. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, useful for you, I imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real uh, cholesterol, I get you. Mm. But what we have is we all carry these devices that actually emit a tremendous amount of information. Um, and the, the thing with, with predictive technology is it doesn't have to make sense, mm. right? So, for example, it is a fact that people who eat blueberries are more likely to vote conservative, Right. Is that because blueberries make you conservative? No, probably not. But if you have that information about people, their shopping habits, where they go, what they do, you can already shape their behavior. And you're already starting to see it happen. I mean, personalized advertising yeah. is an example of where that goes. We've all had that thing where you're talking about something super vague and then Instagram is like, do you want one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And, then you're, and then you're scrolling Instagram in front of someone, and then it's like fucking uh, My Little Pony butt plugs, and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was talking on the train, it wasn't me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's, it's very targeted. Like, it, seems, it seems that in China they can, they can just make you do it, but over here they have to kind of entice you, and we're willing to do it, it seems. Yeah, well, the, the, the thing is that in the West, because we have a democracy, more or less. Mm. Um, the government does not have authoritarian power over you. But the people who do have that level of power over you are the tech companies. Mm. They do have that level of power uh, because they can shut down your YouTube channel. Yep. They can shut down your Patreon. They can mm. shut down your Subscribestar. They can stop you accessing PayPal. Eventually, you'll not be able to get a bank account if you're a Nazi or whatever, whatever it is. Happened right? to the Proud Boys, happened to yeah. Lauren Southern, Sargon of the Cad, all that. So they can shut you down, and mm. they will, mm. right? So it's, a, it's that kind of system. Uh, plus, you add to that the fact that social media is, is a kind of form of brain cancer anyway, <laughs> where people's most extreme facets are being broadcast as the only thing that they are. Right, like you're the thing that you care about. Like if you post conspiracy theories on your Facebook every single day, everyone just think you're fucking mental, even though you're not. Right? Hundreds of thousands of people think yeah. you're mental. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you just did it to your friends, eventually all the people who are not into conspiracy theories that are your friends would just think you're completely crazy and stop talking to you. That's why I made the show because I haven't got any friends anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like I have to tell somebody, and then yeah. all you can't show up. <laughs> So you've made you've made a, a good deal of it, but for for most people, for most people, it isn't quite like that. Uh, yeah. So 
there is a form of social policing that happens as well. Mm. People are much more terrified of saying the wrong thing on social media than they are in person because they know that when I'm talking to you, I get a sense of who you are as a human being and you see what the intonation, the intention behind what I'm saying, we can have a, a conversation and we can clean it up. Yeah. But on social media, everything happens in public. So we're, all, we're constantly living in this world where we feel like we're being watched all the time. Yeah. So we are scared to say things on social media because we're right to be scared because, you know, I, I get this with me. Like I talk about free speech on, on, on my social media and there are lots of people, ironically, in the comedy world who, who genuinely think I'm some evil right winger just because I believe in free speech. You want to see some of my fucking iTunes reviews, man? It's bananas. <laughs> like in one, in one, one is like one star... These guys love skull-fucking Donald Trump. I, I'll never... Li- I'd rather fucking stick dicks in my ears to listen to this again. And then the next one is like, one star. These socialist liberal pinko fuckfaces. Yes. faces. Yeah. I'm like... Because of one... Like I said, one sentence, one, mm. one, one uh, uh, sentiment about... Like, cause I, you know, I can say some shit that's not either right wing or left wing, mm. but you're trying to entertain a thought, you're trying to talk something out. Yeah. And they just hear that thing and go, bah, 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 yeah. one star. Yeah. Like, how can you not like something and be so motivated to tell everybody about it? Just be like, just turn it off. Mm. <laughs> just like that, just do that. Instead of like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you can all leave reviews as well in iTunes <laughs> at the end of the show, uh, five stars. But well, like, um, five stars. Well, we do um, know, I mean, look, 25% of society have serious mental illness, right? And it's not to stigmatize mental illness. 25% of people in the country have mental illness. And mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much the percentage of people who in, the, in the country who are on Twitter. So it, it kind of works out. The numbers out. don't lie, <laughs> Constantine. That's yeah. my conspiracy anyway. Yeah, man. It's, we could talk for hours, and I usually do, but we've run out of time mm. for now. But I want you to tell everybody about your excellent, excellent podcast and your uh, show that's coming up in November where we're talking about all of this kind of stuff uh, uh, as well. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, first of all. I really yeah, enjoyed it. Thank you for coming, man. And thanks for having me. Round of applause. Um, thanks, uh, so if you, if you want to check out my YouTube show and podcast, it's called Trigonometry, as in Trigonometry. Uh, the idea is we talk to people that we don't necessarily agree with. So I'm kind of somewhere in the center politically. My buddy, who's a comedian as well, he's left of center. And we talk to a lot of people who may not be in those categories. Um, and my show, my comedy show called All Well That Ends Well, uh, I'm doing, I did a whole run at Edinburgh, which went very well, and I'm doing it again in London on the 16th of November at the Bill Murray Comedy Club. If you follow me on Twitter, it's my pinned tweet. Um, I think that's it. And uh, you, your, your trigonometry show, like, I've been listening to that. Yeah. And a lot of people here would listen to me when they're going to sleep. And it's all like, oh, yeah, the soothing tones. You, 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 um, <laughs> you, <laughs> Emma, Emma Quinn and Ed Salmon do aid to that. And then I'm all like, and then the dicks. Like, my wax relaxes. These balls. Um, yeah, some of the stuff you talk about on that, you, you, at the start of every show, you say, like, we don't pretend to be the experts, we talk to the experts. Yeah. And that's something that I really want to do going forward is interview some people who are writing books, who are doing the real stuff. Like, I'm gleaning a lot of information from the internet. Hmm. And now it is so much more difficult to get accurate information or hmm. even to get any information on some topics yeah. because it's been Orwellianly, Orwellianly 
fucking removed into the memory hole and you can't find stuff on Sandy Hook now. You can't what find kind of stuff shit on, do you read? Well, I mean, <laughs> do you know the black websites that have green writing that make your, your face feel bad? Um, those ones, like right. GeoCities websites and shit. Like, um, but you're, you're talking so to... So this is like the biggest convention of weed-smoking people in the country. Right I now. think... Is that it? <laughs> There's a lot of green text readers in here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, you, you're actually talking to the experts. You're talking. Well, to yeah, we have, like are... I said, former presidential advisors. Yeah, amazing. Leading. We just had Douglas Murray on, who, who's just got a book out called The Madness of Crowds, talking very much about the stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah. I'm trying to think, we've just had Rod Little on. Uh, People who you wouldn't even know that you wanted to listen to. That's mm. the thing. You're looking through it and you're like, eh. yeah. like, get on it, start from the start and go through it. It's fucking top drawer. And we do it like kind of like this. We, we, we're both comedians, so we keep it light. We make it funny as much as mm. we can. But also talking about, you know, like, I mean, conspiracies. It's interesting to me. Like, my, my friend and I, we both voted Remain in the referendum, right? But our reaction to half the country voting to leave was to go, well, why did it happen? Rather than to go, oh, all these people are racist, yeah. right? So we started talking to a lot of people who voted Brexit, to try and understand why they did it, right? What, what and now is, a lot of them are dead. <laughs> apparently. Since. Uh, and so the more you kind of educate yourself about these different issues, the more you understand that the world is nuanced and complex and there's yeah. different ways of looking at things. And that's what we're trying to do is to kind of bring a bit of balance and a bit of nuance to what is otherwise a very clickbaity and, and uh, messed up, biased uh, world. Going straight to the core of it. Well, that's it. Trigonometry and Orwell that ends well. I leave the links for the people who are listening at home in the description below. And for you guys, I guess I just get a marker and write the links on your arms or something like that. <laughs> I don't know how it works? <laughs> ah, fucking internet. Um, but yeah, for for now we're going to take a fifteen minute break. You guys can go and do your drinks and uh, uh, do your wee wees. And uh, one more time, a round of applause for Constantine Kissin. <laughs> Deepest chat. See you in a little while.